This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 137 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters is brought to you by Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we talk with eventer Skylar Voss about her experiences riding a Grand Prix dressage horse. The critter of the show is the lurcher. In Critter Nutrition, we focus on the benefits of green lip muscles for horses and dogs. And in Coffee Clatch, we ask, what are your favorite insects? Listen in. Greetings, this is Coach Jen. I'm the ringmaster at this here thing. We get together twice a month and chit-chat about all things critter and health. Mental health, physical health, emotional health, the health of the paint on the walls of your home. Doesn't matter. (laughs) We talk about all of it. And one of the things that helps keep us healthy is Tigger's ability to drag everyone in the room into the conversation kicking and screaming whether they want to participate or not she I'm drags them in inclusive. she is an inclusive kind of gal <laughs> and on today's show we have we have an extra human because you may have noticed that patty's not here she's busy vacationing and uh, we have george with us and and george is hanging out sort of in the background today because uh, he's going to be producing the show in August while I am out on the Horse Radio Network road show. So he's kind of hanging out here and getting used to things. And we may find by the end of this show, Tigger, that George has signed off and will not be producing. We're going to have to be careful. <laughs> well, we hope uh, not. So I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know if I'm supposed to have an introduction. But hi, Healthy Critters. Thanks for having me. <laughs> George, we need to ask you a few important questions. Yes. You um, know, I, I can't wait to hear them. Let's go. <laughs> first, first important question is, how did you get into podcasting? How did I get into podcasting? Yes, well, you didn't expect that, did you? You know, I really didn't. I, at first, I, I heard something about a talking dog, and now I, I really didn't expect such a down-to-earth question. But yes, um, really, I got into podcasting. See, you end up talking about video games online for long enough uh, and with your friends for long enough. It just eventually you never stop talking. So I decided, hey, you know, that there might be an actual field for talking nonstop. And so and lo and behold, here I am with podcasting. There you are with podcasting. I see. Now, the second question is, um, what are the non-human members of your family? Tell us about them. The non-human members of my family. Well, I've had sneaking suspicions about my brother, but, you know, we're not going to mention this. But um, Uh, I actually... (laughs) I have um, a half-French, half-English bulldog. Um, her name is Dottie. Uh, she is the biggest diva I've ever met in my entire life, and she pretty much dominates the entire house. Uh, she is deaf, so uh, it's always kind of like, um, but she she manages just fine, trust me. And like, it just adds so much to her personality. Um, yeah, and so we just had Fourth of the July not happen not too long ago, and really the fireworks didn't bother her none. Not so. one bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not one bit. She's that brave. So does she? If look, she could even know. Does she look more like the French part of the bulldog or the English? So English. she's got a she's got French bulldog face, and then from the neck down is English. Wow. Yep. Did you order her that way? <laughs> Uh, no, you know what? I tried to, you know, customize it, you know, add a little bit more, uh, Frenchy and on my online order, but no, uh, actually we got her, um, I believe a friend of ours, uh, their, their dog was having puppies and we took one. And then I think, uh, we just basically looked at one of them with a giant dot on her butt and we're like, that's Dottie. We're done. (laughs) How old is she? 
Oh my goodness. Um, she's got to be like six years or something now, but I mean, it's okay. I'm so sorry to detract with this really quick, but we took her to the vet and she comes back and they're like, Oh, so we put her on the, the, uh, senior plan. And I'm like, Excuse me. S- senior. She's a senior now. So yeah, she's apparently a senior now. <laughs> well, that, wow. Tigger, Tigger, you're, our, you're our, uh, all things animal expert around here. The age at which a dog is considered senior by the veterinary community, that change, that's varies a little bit by breed, doesn't it? By breed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'd imagine something like that. How too. much does she weigh? Uh, if I could say 500 pounds, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be accurate, but that's what my knees feel like every morning. So, um, I, honestly, I think it's like 50 pounds. Wow. She's a big girl. She's a big dog. <laughs> She's I'm, a big I, girl, but I love her. I imagine Frenchies as being rather small, compact animals. Yeah, but so she's not the English she's bulldog. an English she's bulldog. Got, she's got yeah. the English body, remember? So <laughs> she's got that thickness. Don't worry. Um, I also have my my roommate has a dog, and it's a black lab, and she's the sweetest thing in the world. Oh, her name's Lily. Lily and Dottie. Everybody needs a black lab. Oh, 100%. They've been every black lab I've ever met in my life has been the sweetest the thing. Sweetest. Now, I'm just I just had a vision of my head in my head of the dog version of Laverne and Shirley. Shlemiel <laughs> Shlemazel. That's one way to look at it for sure. So, we George has passed the test because yes, in, he has. in order to be yeah. part of the Healthy Critters show you have to be an animal lover, and it's obvious yeah. that George is an animal lover. And anybody no, that's got a Frenchie head, whose dog has a Frenchie head and an English bulldog body, is definitely a healthy critters person. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. I mean, I I basically live for this dog. It's like I don't know. She she happens to like uh, everyone else more than me, but I, I love her to death, so it's fine. <laughs> Well, speaking of dogs, let's turn George loose with Hedwig. Okay. Hello. Hetty. Hello. Hetty, we have a surprise for you. Okay. Patty is on vacation. Patty is on vacation. Yes, and um, Patty is my personal ally. I know, I know she is. Um, But hopefully, you'll have a new potential ally in George. I want you to meet George. George, say hello to Hetty. Hi, Hetty. Nice to meet you. Hello, George. Are you at all like Glenn? Uh, yeah, I have no, to talk no, don't say that. You're not at all like Glenn. Oh, I'm not me. like Glenn. Good. There I'm not go. like Glenn. Not at all. Please clarify how you might be like Glenn. I, oh, no, I talk like Glenn, but I am not Glenn. Sounds to me like you might be an awful lot like Glenn. <laughs> cover, uh, I, you know, I'm still discovering that about myself, but I don't think so. Do you have an unreasoned hatred of the Pomeranian? Not at all. In fact, I love dogs. Which is not the same as loving the Pomeranian. Uh, I, I was merely trying to be inclusive, but you are you're absolutely correct. Pomeranians, though I've never met one, is are wonderful. That is correct. We are amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to have met one now, actually. You are very fortunate to have encountered me. I think your mm-hmm. life will improve. I, I'm already starting to see signs. Oh, good. Um, Excellent. You know, okay. Hetty, he we does have a dog. dog. I do. Mm-hmm. So does Glenn. Oh, Tigger, why? <laughs> uh, Tigger, do I have... you want the man to be hit by a bus? Why? Oh, oh my God! This no, he, he is, he is nothing like Glenn, and he has a very interesting dog that he's going to tell you about that I think you'll relate to. 
Okay, well, I'm willing to keep a mildly open mind. <laughs> okay, that's all I can ask for. Um, so my puppy is actually um, a half French and half English bulldog. And the front part of her head is French and her body is all English bulldog. How does she do the breathing? Um, mainly with her lungs and through her nose, but um, fairly well. So she's okay. She can. She doesn't sound like this. I mean, I. Th- she does. Div- I have given her the loving nickname of Grumbles. Um, <laughs> I, I happen to be a fan of them, actually, but not too much. Only when she really is exerted. Not as much as a pug, actually. Does she fart a lot? I. I mean, if you ask any dog owner, I think they'd say they every dog farts a lot. But yes, and the th- the funny thing is, is hers actually make noise. Does she scare herself when she does farting? Well, here's the even the funniest part. She's actually deaf, so she wouldn't be able to hear it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> I love her to death, okay. and she's my favorite. <laughs> she sounds perfect. I might need to meet her one time. Absolutely. How very nice of you, Hetty. I know. I Generosity, thy name is Hedwig. <laughs> yeah Will, I'll, I'll write that down Alright, Hetty, we wanted to make the introductions Because George is going to be with us in August So um, You can You guys can uh, Share adventures of uh, I don't want to say dog farts But maybe you can share What, what different <laughs> foods George's dog likes And, what, and, the, and the foods that you prefer Cheese we know that it's cheese, but there are other things like espresso coffee beans. We're not allowed to have those, and you bring it up a lot. <laughs> oh because I think it's so funny. Sounds like something yeah, you Glenn wouldn't have thought it was. <laughs> That's right. See, George is my personal <laughs> ally. And look at that. Already made a friend. <laughs> Already made a friend. Well, thanks a lot, Hedwig. Thanks, we'll see Teddy. you again. Bye bye. Nice to meet you, George. Nice to meet you. Looking forward to working with you. Bye-bye. And we're here today with my good friend, Skylar Voss, from Morningside Eventing. And Skylar has gone to the dark side. (laughs) Um, Skylar, if you aren't familiar with her, is a very well-known, very experienced um, eventer with a very busy training um, barn in Virginia. And she uh, went into a, a Grand Prix dressage test. And uh, got a a very respectable score for the first time ever riding a Grand Prix test, which is a far, it's quite a far distance from riding a um, event dressage test, wouldn't you say? Oh, it sure is. <laughs> so what what made you decide to go to the dark side and kind of ride um at the highest level of the dressage sport? Well, I've always loved dressage and uh, I've been riding with my dressage coach, Sally Spinard for almost 18 years now. And I've always ridden with her with my event horses, but I've had a very healthy respect for the sport of dressage. And um, I think it gives me more credit in the event world to have uh, more experience in the dressage ring. And so Sally and I kind of made a pact to set forth on this journey. She told me if I got my silver medal on my horse, she would let me get my uh, gold medal on her horse. And we just started off on this journey and it's been so fun and humbling Um. and very humbling. (laughs) Uh, by the way, Sally's horse is her Grand Prix horse, Balance, who is now 
uh, Skylar's Grand Prix schoolmaster, and he's a very cool horse, and he's a very quirky horse. So when I say schoolmaster, I just mean that he's trained and competed with Sally, but he's no pushover. He, he, um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what was one of the more difficult or challenging things that you had to learn um, riding at that level? All of it. <laughs> Absolutely all of it. It was, uh, like I said, very humbling. I, I told Sally, I don't think I've ever been so nervous as I was for that Grand Prix test. And she said, Skylar, you jump massive, solid objects. Why no are kidding. you so That's nervous? Speed. That speed. And I, I, I told her, honestly, when I go out on a course, of course we're nervous. Um, but I've done eventing and cross country in my whole life. And it was more fear of the unknown. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really know what all those Grand Prix movements feel like. And certainly not consecutively in one test. I have, um, Sally's helped me so much break down the test and understand the movements and learn how to ride them. But I had never done them in all in, in you know, <laughs> one order and one test. And so I was so <laughs> nervous to see how it all felt. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it was a challenge, but she was so helpful teaching it all to me and Bali, he is quirky and he can be tricky to ride, but he's so well-trained and yes. honestly, he's so patient. He was so patient. I cannot tell you how many one, one tempies I have ridden until I got them right. And he just kept doing it. <laughs> did, what did you find the most challenging for you as a rider? Not in terms of competing, but in terms of learning the, the movements before you competed them. Um, for me, definitely the tempies. Um, I just wasn't quite quick enough. Like every time she would tell me to do ones, I would get twos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every time she told me to do twos, I would get threes. <laughs> and um, so she and Bali were very patient in the learning curve there. Uh, just, you know, starting to get the feel of what that's like and the coordination. Um, I always joke with her too. She says, you know, you need to sit still in your changes. And I'm like, Sally, I'm taught to jump out of the saddle. I'm a jump rider. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so having uh, to be a bit more still and composed and patient when things come up that quickly. Um, I think reading through the test was just incredibly intimidating. Um, mm-hmm. Reading through like how the zigzag oh, is worded. Zigzag. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, and just reading it all at once, I was just so intimidated. But like I said, Sally was just really helpful about breaking it all down for me. And and I would come out and she would say, today we're going to work on this. And we would work on it till I felt comfortable. And then the next day we'd work on another movement. And she would help me with that till I felt comfortable. And then as we started getting closer to the, t- to the test, she would help me start putting it all together. And uh, she was just so methodical. And that is really how I learned. So that was mm-hmm. really helpful for me. Did you have any trouble with, you know, Piaf and then the transition to Passage? And the, those are very, I mean, not only difficult for the horse, but to ride that accurately and number of steps yeah. and get the loft and lift. And, and there's a lot no. to it. It is in Bali's so good at it and I had I had actually started it on my um pre-St. George horse that Sally owns with me um we had started teaching him massage and so that was really the only experience I've really had with massage and we certainly hadn't started (laughs) um so coming into this a bit blind um I just really overrode the Piaf Mm -hmm. um the massage the passage actually was okay for me. I felt really comfortable in the passage. Um, I had to work a lot on getting lift and not so much. I, I got a little quick on Bali and my passage. Um, but the Piaf, I definitely overrode it. I, I was trying to like make it happen. And um, mm-hmm. she was, she and Bali made me be a, b- a bit more patient in it. And I would say that was a, one of the glitches in my test um, at Great Meadow when I wrote it on Bali as I, I got a bit nervous about holding the Piaf. So I only held it for probably 10 steps. 
But Polly will hold it as long as I want him to. So I just needed to be a bit more confident. How, how do you think, um, learning to ride a Grand Prix horse trans will translate to your event horses? Oh, I just think it helps in so many ways. Um, I mean, I always have taught jumping very dressage based and flat work based. And, um, it's already helped me my advanced horse, uh, Argyle just learning to ride the changes smoother and make mm-hmm. it another canter stride and be more patient. And I, you have to be so accurate, you know, yeah. in the upper level dressage and, you know, use your corners better and be more prepared for your movements. And it certainly, I didn't have necessarily that respect with my event horses. I mean, at advanced, we only ride third level. Right. Um, so my whole life on advanced horses, you know, I've ridden third level. And uh, I thought that was hard, <laughs> but you know, this has been a real steep learning curve for me, <laughs> but I think, I think it's helped all my horses and all my students. Do you think this is changing how you ride collection with your event horses? Yes. It's made me understand collection a lot more mm-hmm. um, and appreciate it. I mean, you know, a lot of my event horses are off the track thoroughbreds. So I hadn't really felt the power, you know, of true collection. And Sky, what kind of advice could you give um, other eventers uh, about dressage beyond you know, third level. (laughs) I, I just think, you know, as event riders, um, we have so much to focus on every phase of competition and then the fitness to back up jumping in the cross country. And, um, I think just taking a step back and really learning each phase. I know a lot of event riders um, are doing that in the show jumping Mm -hmm. and, uh, I am now doing that in the dressage world. And I think it, it just benefits us in so many ways and it made me more confident in the ring. And like you said, understand collection more and that only benefits all phases of the sport we do. And I just think cross training, you know, you, you almost have to do it now in the modern sport of eventing. Mm-hmm. You have to be good in the dressage ring. You have to be good in the show jumping ring. Um, we all, you know, love cross country, which is why we event, but, uh, I think the modern sport really demands that of us to be better in all phases. Are you thinking that, you know, someday down the road, um, we'll be seeing more of you in the dressage only tests? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I have a dressage horse of my own, so I am so lucky to have the ride on Bali Sally's horse, um, to learn the ropes. Um, and then Sally, uh, owns within a syndicate, my, um, Cooley caliber horse Yep. who, yep. uh, who broke his, broke his knee. He was an imported as an upper level event horse and, uh, broke his knee in a freak accident. And that's where Sally really got me inspired and excited about dressage to find a new, a new path for him. And, uh, I, I think I think he will be an upper level dressage horse for me of my own. And I'm really excited about that and focused on that with him as well. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Well, I I hope our listeners, you're going to compete. You're going to do another Grand Prix test, correct? Yes. The end end of uh, July, I'm going to do another Grand Prix on Bali. And then we'll also have my Cooley caliber horse out. Now, is he going to be the Cooley caliber? Is he going to be a PSG I1? Yes, we're, we're okay. working on the move up to I1, but he's, he's doing PSG at the moment. Um, so you may have your, your USDF gold medal by the end of this month. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I want to give you kudos. My goal. You, you already have your silver medal, so... Um, that that would be a phenomenal accomplishment to also have your gold. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited about we'll that. We'll keep our, that our, is my our goal. 
our fingers crossed and lots of relief clovers for the end of July <laughs> Bali. And thank you so much for coming on Healthy Critters and sharing your story and your, your courage, Sky, because, you know, a lot of you're an eventer or a dressage rider or a jumper. There isn't a lot of cross training sometimes. The jumpers aren't riding dressage horses and the dressage riders aren't riding jumpers. Um, yeah. So I, I really give you a lot of kudos for, um, you know, getting into greater detail, a very difficult sport. Um, it would be like me trying to go cross country. I mean, I invented back in the 70s, but I look at the courses today and I go, there's no way. <laughs> no way. So thank you for your courage and thank you for sharing your story. Oh, absolutely. It's been it's been a pleasure and a blessing to have the opportunity. So now we're at Critter Nutrition and the topic is green lipped mussels for horses and dogs. The indigenous people of New Zealand, the Maoris, have for hundreds of years regarded green-lipped mussels as a food source for health and well-being. In the 1970s, it was observed that the Maoris, whose diet was rich in these mussels, were less likely to suffer from joint disease, and so began international scientific investigation on green-lipped mussels. Green-lipped mussels have been identified to be an excellent source of the omega-3s, EPA and DHA, plus B12, magnesium, calcium, zinc, and iodine. The iodine content is important for insulin-resistant horses, since iodine is essential to the production of thyroid hormones. Hay analysis often reveals low iodine content. Low iodine also affects dogs, with some breeds becoming more iodine deficient than others. Doberman pinchers, Irish setters, golden retrievers, Great Danes, Old English sheepdogs, dachshunds, miniature schnauzers, Boxers, poodles, and cocker spaniels are more predisposed to hyperthyroidism than others. Iodine deficiency can be more common in dogs than that have been spayed or neutered. Green-lipped mussels provide the glycosaminoglands, the GAGs, gags function in fluids of the body, blood, mucus, synovial fluids, and membrane surfaces. Gags are considered the building blocks of cartilage and joint fluid. Gags can increase the synthesis of proteoglycans, hyaluronic acid, and collagen. Another component of the greenlit muscle is chondroitin sulfate, which is an important element of the gags. Chondroitin sulfate is a vital part of the extracellular matrix and is found in the ag agrican molecule of the cartilage. Chondroitin increases the hyaluron production by synovial cells, helping to maintain viscosity of the synovial fluid. Glucosamine is naturally occurring in greenlit muscles. It is a critical precursor to the synthesis of collagen and gags. Proteoglycans are proteins found in the extracellular matrix of connective tissue. Proteoglycans are a source of negative charges within the ECM, therefore attracting water molecules that contribute to the resilience of cartilage. The proteoglycans contribute to the structure and strength of the articular cartilage. Various studies beginning in the 1980s have shown the gastroprotective actions of greenlit muscles in rats and pigs. That was associated with the lipid factors EPA and DHA, known as omega-3s. Other researchers have focused on the anti-inflammatory effects of omega-3s from greenlit muscles that inhibited the COX-2 enzyme, demonstrating anti-inflammatory effects in animal models and human-controlled studies. A study on arthritic dogs published in the Journal of Nutrition in 2002 showed that greenlit muscle powder was effective in reducing arthritic signs in dogs as measured by a total arthritic score, including joint pain and joint swelling. The researchers stated, quote, the reported gastroprotective action of greenlit muscle may provide additional clinical benefit, end quote. For me, what makes greenlit muscle so profound is that while the components of this food are important, 
It is the sum of the components that are essential for its efficacy. We can give glucosamine derived from the ectoskeletons of shrimp and lobster and crab. We can give chondroitin derived from shark and cow cartilage. But in the end, we are just giving isolated nutraceuticals without the benefit of the other biological components of the source. In nature, there is a high degree of connectivity. And so it is with food. Are greenlit muscles effective for joints because of the omega-3s and GAGs? Or is it because these components are joined in a matrix of protein, fat, nutrients, and some of the mysterious elements such as F-acids? In the case of greenlit muscles, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You can find greenlit muscles in Biostar's Receptor for Horses and Biostar's Trinity for Dogs. <laughs> Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And here we are at the Breed of Show. And since Patty's not here, I get to do the Breed of Show. And I I had... Initially, I was going to do um, tree frogs was going to be the breed of the show. Oh, I love them. Uh, yeah, but um, I, got, I, I went down that rabbit hole and said, you know, there's too much here. I can't do it. I, have, I need longer to prepare for tree frogs because I know nothing about a tree frog. So it's we'll, gonna, give you you know. tre- we'll give tree frogs to you when you get back from the road show. <laughs> there we go. I will spend 35 days yes, on the road studying, studying tree, tree frogs. frogs. So I will be prepared. Um, when I say it that way, 35 days on the road, it scares the living daylights out of me. But here we Scare go. Scare the living daylights out of me, too. <laughs> You're not even going, yeah. Anyhow, uh, the breed of the show today is going to be the lurcher. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Was that inspiring? A lurcher is not actually a breed of dog. There is no such huh. thing as a registered lurcher. Hmm. A lurcher is... A dog that one parent is a sight hound, most often greyhound, and the other is a working dog, commonly uh, collies, herding breeds, and occasionally foxhounds. Oh, interesting. Yes, but the lurcher is not actually a breed. Now, in America, I can't believe they haven't created a designer name for it just so they can create a new breed because, you know, that's what we do. And it seems to be that a lurcher is officially a crossbred. It's not a case of you cross lurcher A with lurcher B to get a a group of puppy lurchers. It seems to be the mom and the dad are always two different breeds. Wow. Yeah, which I thought was like, really? And each and every lurcher comes out a little different being a crossbred. Sometimes you end up with a, you have a greyhound crossed with a um, border collie. And you get oh, something great. that looks border collie-ish hair-wise, but is greyhound-shaped. So you never know which what you're going to get because they're genuine outcrosses that way. But they do tend to have the tractable personality of the sight hound. That, ton- that tends to breed reasonably true. Hmm. Um. They, depending on what you cross them with, they can be very trainable. Now, if you cross a whippet with a a Jack Russell Terrier, <laughs> neither of which Ugh. are really trainable, <laughs> you're yeah. not going to get a real trainable dog. <laughs> um, they frequently are friendly dogs because, again, working do- working breeds and sighthound breeds tend to be pretty friendly breeds in general. They've mm-hmm. they don't have a history of being 
dogs used for defensive or protective purposes, so they tend to be friendly. Um, you don't see a lot of them around uh, because they are specifically working dog bred. They're not bred to be, oh, let's make a cute pet because they'd be adorable on our couch. They will cross a herding breed with a whippet or a greyhound because they want a super fast flyball dog. Mm-hmm. Not because they want something cute on the thing. So what will happen is somebody who is very competitive in flyball will create this litter of puppies, and they already have six people who want those puppies. So you're not going to find them on Pet Finder. Right. There you go. Um, the place you will find lurchers sleeping on couches is some fox hunts will breed lurchers because they are appropriate for their country, for the quarry they hunt as well as the um, oh, country they hunt. So you will see lurchers who are retired from foxhound packs sleeping on people's couches. Oh, wow. So that's pretty much the only place you're going to see lurchers hanging about that don't have a competitive or working type of job. And I know this because Tara Tibbetts, who hosts the monthly fox hunting episode on Horses in the Morning, has a lurcher. And it's crossed ah. with a fox hound. And it's beautiful. What's its parentage? It is a, I want to say deer hound, fox hound mix. A deer hound is also a Oh, wow. Hound. Like a so, Scottish deer hound? Yes, it's it's enormous. You know what it looks like? If you were, imagine what the dog looked like in the Hound of the Baskervilles. But without the glowing red eyes. That's wow. what she looks. She's beautiful. She's probably 30 inches tall. Yikes, just, that's a big dog. Yeah, she's just beautiful and kind of a beautiful tan camel color. And, and she's has light the like a greyhound, uh, a Scottish deerhound, like meaning tall and elegant. Tall not- and elegant, yes. Yeah. Very tall and elegant, but a little bit heavier bone than greyhounds are. Deerhounds tend to be a little bit heavier bone. Mm-hmm. Um, but And she has that wiry coat. Yep. So my favorite lurchers are the deerhound crosses because they they have the beautiful wiry haired coach, which I'm I love. I don't know if I want to live with that coat. I've never tried it, <laughs> but it's beautiful to look at. So that's what lurchers are. Um, like if if they take after the sighthound side, they're not going to be. Dogs that need an enormous amount of exercise—it's go out and run around for fifteen minutes and you're good. If they take a, if they take after the herding side of their family, well, maybe a little bit more. <laughs> side, will they have their nose to the ground? Well, um, a sighthound—he's going to use his eyes, but if you cross right. him with a foxhound, he is going to use his nose, but they are going to be keen on chasing what they Sight. see. Okay. Okay. Um, and I, I read an article that they have shown that sight hounds, because a lot of time, a lot, we, for a long time, we thought that sight hounds had better um, acuity. They could see better than other dogs. When it looks like scientifically, they don't really see better, but the way their eyes are designed, they're much, much more tuned into seeing things that move. Gotcha. If that makes any sense. It's like um, huh. in, Jur- in Jurassic Park, don't move. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> um, and that's the way this, the sight hounds are, are designed. But with when you bring a sight hound cross a lurcher into a foxhound pack, he is going to have a slightly different hunting style than the foxhound who is purely a scent hound. Right. So they are going to be a little bit different. And that's some, that can be one of the reasons you bring them in because mm-hmm. if the scent isn't very good or if we have country that is hard to scent, for example, further in the south where the ground tends to be warm all the time, you yep. don't get good scenting. A hound that has the tenacity and the tendency to use his eye can help your pack find the scent because he's going to see it moving. He is going to... um there's a word for it, and I, it's escaping me. But he's going to alert the rest of the pack that that's happening, and then the rest of the pack can Pick follow, up the chase. follow suit. And there's a name for that. And Tara, I'm so embarrassed because we talked about it last episode, and I don't remember it. But there we go, Lurch- lurchers. So look them up if you're curious about uh, 
elegant sight hounds and sight hound crosses, look up lurchers. Love it. And now we're at Coffee Clatch, and the question of Coffee Clatch today is, what are your favorite insects? Now, if okay, you're wondering... Tigger, Tigger, before you go much further, <laughs> yes. what, what, really? What makes yes. you think of this one? Because I, in the summer, everybody complains about the insects. But in reality, there are a lot of nice insects. I would, I would, I would disagree. I think in reality, there are a lot of beneficial insects. Okay. Beneficial (laughs) and nice that I wouldn't mind having tea with. (laughs) (gasps) Oh my gosh. Having tea with, I'm just, I have this vision of a giant human sized praying mantis. That's exactly it. That's one of my favorites. Sitting, sitting in a cafe in Paris. Yes. Yes. There you go. I love any insect that eats its mate. It's <laughs> just my kind of insect. Okay. <laughs> so obviously praying mantis is up there on the top of your list. Are there others? Yes. What's well, Yes, but what's on the top of your list? Dung beetle. Easy. Oh, how awesome. I didn't even think of the dung beetle. <laughs> dung beetles are amazing. They are amazing. I never... I never we had dung beetles at the farm we lived in in Pennsylvania. I had the great big, the giant size ones that are kind of iridescent on top. But when we moved down here to Florida, we have a wide variety of dung beetles. Really? And I didn't know that there were different kinds. They're, they come in different sizes and different shades of colors. They have the iridescent ones and the, and the black ones and some that look kind of purple. But there are... Rollers, tunnelers, and dwellers. It's like oh. different characters. These sound like they should be in a Tolkien book. Are we sure that these these guys don't live in Middle Earth? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> wow, you know what? That actually, for a fiction writer, that would be a great story of you know dung, dung beetles. beetles. I think dung beetles need to come to Pixar. life. Pixar, Pixar, oh my God. dung beetles. They need. Well, there was a dung beetle in. It's a bug's life. There was yeah. in a bug's life. Yes, there was. And he was a roller. Yes, yes. He was a roller. So uh, the dung George, beetle, top of my list. What's at the top of your list? Oh, well, see, this question actually kind of gives me pause because growing up in Florida, like the hot spot of wasps, bees, <laughs> and flies, I, I, I really find my, my pickings to be quite slim here. Um, but I agree that there are functional insects and I, I appreciate their, you know, jobs and duties to society. So I'm going to go with the daddy long legs. Oh, I love them. So, yeah, they're, they're always really kind. They don't really cause any problems and they actually clean up from other bugs. I didn't know that. What do they do? Basically like any other, like, uh, you know, fleas or like smaller insects that get caught in the web, they just go ahead and take care of it, but they don't ever really intrude on anything with humans. Cause they're too scared of them. Oh, interesting. And if I, I had like tea with one, that'd move. be several teapots. Sorry. <laughs> they, they move like something out of star Wars, a, a droid, a droid mm-hmm. would move mm-hmm. like a daddy long legs. I don't know why the first thing when I think of mechanical version, I think of Wild Wild West with Will Smith. And um, do you remember there was a giant mechanical spider? <laughs> oh, my Something God. like that. <laughs> but Daddy Long Legs are super nice, though. They they like weigh nothing. They move very slowly because I'm actually I get freaked out if bugs move really fast. I agree. I think I think you're right. I think because I'm not a big spider fan myself, but mm-hmm. I agree with you that a slow spider is better. Slow spiders, a hundred percent. Also, the next name of my band. I'm just saying that around <laughs> the slow spiders. That would be a good name, actually. Yeah, but uh, I'm just saying because it's like stuff like that, and you think of palmetto bugs, and they just start charging you, and then they start, you know, flying when you least expect it, and it's just a nightmare. So I'm gonna go with Daddy Long Legs for I sure. Like I love Daddy Long Legs. Well, my my second uh, second on the list are ladybugs. Ah, yes. Who can I dislike a ladybug? Like I, I think they are the cutest, happiest, friendliest. I love that they can crawl on your finger and they're very happy there and they don't bite. And they do poop on your finger, though. Yeah, but so what? 
<laughs> so what? I guess that's they don't poop, but they, they don't poop it. much. Bug sized poop. Bug sized poop. Now I have a question. Since you're a fan of the ladybug ticker, maybe you know this. Do ladybugs come in different colors? Because I'm I'm familiar with the traditional red with little black dots, but I've seen bugs that look like ladybugs, but they're orange with little black dots. Is that also yes, a ladybug? Those are those are not ladybugs. Oh, really? No. Wonder what they are. Well, they're they're a different a different kind of ladybug. They're not a. Uh, they can cause havoc in your garden, ladybug. They can get into your house, ladybug. But and that's how you know it's a, a Florida local, by the way. If it's some <laughs> sort of pest. Because, like, as a Florida local as well, I know the exact bug you're talking about. And I'm sure I've went, ooh, a ladybug, as it's destroyed my, you know, garden or whatever. Right, exactly. So mm-hmm. orange is not so good. Red is lovely. Red, they remind me of a little strawberry with wings. Hmm. <laughs> Not as tasty, though. I've not tried to know. I'm sure it's not. I'm <laughs> quite sure it's not. Jennifer, what's second on your list? Second on my list, deal? another another easy one. Honeybees. Yes. Hello. Where would <laughs> nice. we be without the honeybee? We, we would be lost. We would be lost. That is correct. George? See, now I feel weird because I was totally going to say honeybee. So now I'm like... I've got to come up with a new one on the fly, and I'm well, you surrounded. Can, you can just vote for you can just creature. vote for honeybee. That's allowed. Uh then I'm gonna go for bumblebee. Yes. Uh, oh yes, they're awesome. Uh, they're awesome. There you go. Don't you so, want a like, pet one? Yeah, and they actually really wouldn't be all that violent because if they sting you, they die. So they really don't want to do that. So yeah. I just right? I just think they're so adorable. I love the fuzzy. I love the fuzzy, the fuzzy bumblebee is excellent. See, fuzzy bumblebee was right underneath of honeybee for me. Yeah, me too. I didn't. Yeah. I had it reversed. I had bumblebee then honeybee. There you go. But we would be. We would have no food if it wasn't for the bees. Mm-hmm. And what's under usually underneath those bees is a wasp when you least expect it. So. <laughs> um. And and last on my last, but certainly not least, are fireflies. <gasps> and right now we are getting lots i mean they were like last year it was hard to find any fireflies but this year they're back now we rarely have fireflies here george you're a native floridian am i right yes i am born and raised are fireflies do we have fireflies in florida i'm a recent import we, so we you know. do but it's they're like they come in like seasonally and whenever they freaking feel like it like i don't know really <laughs> how that works but i have seen fairly dim uh fireflies they're not like the classic ones you'll see in like commercials they're like a little bit dimmer and green huh which i think means they're from the swamp which no, oh. I think about it. <laughs> they're drunk they're redneck for fireflies. I, I guess I don't know. At least they glow, and we we do fun. Well, you can look out, um, you know, in the twilight here, and they're they're fluttering in the field, oh my and gosh. it's just it's just magical. I'm a little jealous. Uh, I actually have another bug, by the way. I just <gasps> thought of it. Great. Hey, are you ready? I'm surprised it hasn't come up yet. Uh, butterfly. Oh, yeah. well, it's such yeah, an obvious want. choice, isn't it? Well, all right. It, it, we're like four bugs in and no one said butterfly. But I, didn't, I, I know, obviously you're right. That off. Butterflies are awesome. Now, do you have a particular <laughs> butterfly that you're especially fond of or are, is it just butterflies are cool? Uh, you know, I would say moth just to be different, but I'm going to go with like, I guess, monarch just to be classic, I guess. <laughs> there you go. It's classic. You cannot go wrong. It's like a Mustang. You can't go wrong with a Ford yep. Mustang. You can't go wrong with a Monarch Butterfly. You're right. I, I like how you said Ford. I, I thought you, you were going to say the horse. No, but no. the Ford. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, the last one on my list is probably something that's going to surprise you. And the reason that I like it is it reminds me of an erector set. And that's the grasshopper. Mm, yes. 
You mean the way they're built? It reminds you of a yep. barbecue? Okay. Because I'm going, they, yep. I don't think grasshoppers build anything. <laughs> I was <so> worried. <laughs> no. And they're, they're, they could be, they can be quite destructive. Um, I like them because of the, the erector set kind of structure of the legs. Mm-hmm. And, and then last but not least, I really love crickets. I love them. I love their singing. I love the way they look. I, I just think if I was going to have a pet, it would be a cricket. You can do yeah. that, you know. You can just buy them at the pet store and have pet crickets. I know. But I would, I, are... you know, I just think they need to be outside, you know, enjoying the fresh air, not in a little cricket cage. Mm-hmm. See, crickets are great, though, because they're the only ones that laugh at my jokes. So <laughs> they're always fun to have. Them, so oh, gosh, sound. George. You know, it's a classic sound. It's unmistakable. So, oh, golly, um, if if we've mentioned uh, insects that aren't on your list or if you have some that aren't on ours, let us know. Uh on our Facebook page, Healthy Critters Radio, or our website, healthycrittersradio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your Wookiee. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 